This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Bookmark with me, Uma Pagan Ampike Pagan, and this is Authored, a show in which I have these conversations with writers that are built around themes. This season, I'm speaking to them about their firsts, their first literary loves, their first characters, about the first time they knew, like really knew, that this is what they wanted to do with the rest of their lives. Joining me today is Singaporean cartoonist Evangeline Neo, whose brand new book, Eva Goes Solo, just hit our bookshelves. Hello, my name is Eva, and I am a full-time comic artist from Singapore. Eva, before we get into your books and your process, Mm -hmm. I am curious, do you remember the first moment you knew that what you were drawing was good? Oh, that was on my Facebook. Right. How did you know? How did I know? I posted it, and suddenly, like, strangers were sharing it. Actually, the more important thing is people were sharing it. Because liking and sharing is different. So liking is like anybody can just casually like, but sharing means that it will be reposted on your timeline. So they were more careful. So when people start to share and I see strangers like sharing it and liking it and commenting, then I know that, oh, that one is, seems, to, seems to work, that particular theme. No, you're right, actually, because when I like something, it's almost... Uh, reflex. You just double tap on something, right? But actually, yeah, you need to think about it before you share. Yeah, it's like when you like, it's like, okay, good job, pat on the shoulder. <laughs> 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 Encouragement. <laughs> but when you share it, it's like, oh, this is good. This is worth sharing on my on my own account. Then you share. Do you remember what that was? Yeah. Do you remember the piece? Yeah, yeah. It's actually in my first book, uh, the one about parks. Japanese parks and Singapore parks, the difference between Singapore and Japan. Is it the closing times? After the closing times. The right. closing times didn't get so much <laughs> like <laughs> shares, but the, the, one, the next one did. Yeah, the comparison one. Your story is interesting because you, you have two published books now, but of course you started off being a comic artist on the internet and on Facebook and, yes. and on your blog, right? Yes. So, so talk to me about that journey because obviously, like you said, that journey is very wrought with do people like it? Are people liking my page? Are they sharing my stuff? It must have been quite nerve-wracking. Uh, yeah, actually, I started off uh, many years ago, but it was on my Chinese blog. Uh, it was on a Taiwanese blogging platform because back then in uh, 2007, 2008, oh, wow, that's... Uh, it's not that long ago, like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like nine years ago. So uh, it was very popular for Taiwanese artists to post on their blog, like everyday life uh, in an exaggerated format. Like they would, sometimes they make themselves as a character like a pig or something else and make it really funny. So there was this artist uh, who posted online and she got really famous and a publisher offered her a contract. So everybody followed her footsteps of course. on the blog and hopefully that the publisher will take notice. Yeah, so I did the same thing. I was posting on the Chinese uh, the platform. But uh, it was quite tough because uh, I wasn't in Taiwan. And yeah, and it was very competitive. I tried that for about three years. I drew uh, my life in San Francisco at that time, but I graduated. Then I went back to Singapore. I drew myself as a rich lady with a half skeleton butler. Nice. And, and yeah, <laughs> and I also drew myself as a li- oh yeah. After that, I drew my trips to Malaysia 
because my friends often go to Malaysia. So I drew a lot of these kind of diary comics. I would call them type diary comics. Uh, something like what you see in a second book. Nobody took notice or like I, I still wasn't getting anywhere. So I changed platform to Blogspot because a lot of my, I was teaching at that time. So a lot of my students couldn't read Chinese and they preferred to read English. So I changed to Blogspot, Blogger. And I started to draw in English. Then I also started my Facebook page. Yeah, at that time still, you know, not many people <laughs> I can share my work. I was quite lost. So I decided to, um, and I heard about this scholarship to Japan. And I wanted to see if, uh, what I could, just, you know, Japan, Japanese manga, you know, in Japan. So of course. Developed. Yeah, so I want to go and see and how they made, made it. And, made, and I want to go and study uh, comics, actually, manga, initially. So I applied for a scholarship and uh, I did not make it for the first two rounds, but the third round I was selected. So that's how I went to Japan. So after I went to Japan, I was very busy. I had no time to draw. So I kept a blog. I wrote, I wrote on my blog and I took a lot of photos to document what had happened. So I hope that in the future I can go back and draw these out. So, so with uh, Eva, Kopi and Macha, it wasn't yeah. immediate. I mean, you didn't do that while you were in no. Japan. No, it was, uh, it was, I did it while I was in Japan, but not in, well, when the first time I went to Japan. Wait, yeah. actually, just to go back for a second, you said that the, the Taiwanese cartoon blogging the platform... Taiwanese was nine years ago. Right, but you said it was super competitive. What did you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, was there just, just dozens and dozens of people doing it? Hundreds and hundreds of people wow. doing it. Wow, wow. Yeah, it's like... So how oh, vibrant is the scene in Taiwan? Extremely vibrant. It's more vibrant than Malaysia and uh, Singapore combined times 10. It's more, like, more than that. Yeah, it's like anybody is drawing. You know? Anybody who has no drawing skill is just drawing their everyday life. I remember speaking to Troy Chin, right? And, uh-huh. and he used to tell me all the time that in Singapore, people just discourage you to draw after you reach a certain age. It's like drawing yeah. is for kids. Yeah. And I guess that I must think... not be the same in Taiwan. No, it's not. It's not. In Taiwan, it's, um, it's like, um, because they, they encourage creativity and their creative scene is so vibrant. They have a lot of markets, like creative markets, that people sell their own crafts. People appreciate that. And it's like, yeah, you just find people who don't know how to draw drawing and they just enjoy drawing and they just enjoy drawing and posting online and let everybody see. So, it's so competitive that like you have hundreds and hundreds of wow. people posting every day. Wow. Yeah, every day live in comic form. Although, of course, most of them are not that nice. Not that interesting. <laughs> but, but they are, you know... Of but they're trying. Like, yeah, but they're trying. And because they do it almost every day, so eventually they will, you know, they will have a certain standard. Okay, yeah, so... A certain standard. Yeah. That was my next question was... I, that's what I've noticed with a lot of online cartoonists as well. There is this pressure to do it every day. I mean, I, I'm assuming that's just incredibly important. That output is incredibly important. I used to think of it that way. Like I used to, when I uh, do on Facebook, I posted on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, three days a week. But I couldn't make sure the quality was good. So I just had to rush. Like, oh, it's Wednesday. I have to. I have to post something. So I just draw anything. I mean, not, not draw anything, lah, But I'll just try to do my best to churn out something and post online. 
Then eventually I found out that it doesn't, like the quality is not so good. Like the content, like sometimes people don't get what I was drawing. And sometimes <laughs> it's not funny enough. Right. Yeah, so I decided to cut down to once a week. But in your early days, I'm assuming to build up an audience, you need yes. a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, I was like drawing almost every night after work and week- weekends. So I had to draw like almost, yeah, I had to draw every day. But content-wise, maybe upload like four times a week or four or five times a week. Sometimes it could be just a simple illustration and then some text. So Eva, you went to art school in San Francisco, and yeah, I'm as you know, same as Bowie. Yeah, same as Bowie, and I'm assuming you would have learned everything at art school. At which point did you make that decision that cartooning was what you wanted to do? Actually, I did not. Uh, picking up comic skills in the art school but the art school did have a good foundation in drawing drawing human characters and uh, stories like uh, framing of composition that kind of thing illustration so I actually when I was I graduated when graduating uh, graduating from the school I have a Japanese classmate and she asked me like what I want to do after graduation so I said oh you know I was doing 3D so I said, oh, maybe I'll do uh, become a 3D modeler or something like that. Then she said, oh, is that right? You really want to do that? I said, well, not really. Actually, I wanted to. I've always wanted to become a comic artist since I was uh, young. <laughs> yeah. So she said, oh, why not? I continue that now. And she said, uh, she could help me translate my comics into Japanese to publish uh, to the publishers in Japan. Because I told her in Singapore it's quite tough. There's not a lot of publishers and not a big market. So that's why, that's that's why after her encouragement, I sort of like oh, okay. She told me that my drawing is better now because before that I I had, and why I quit was that because my drawing wasn't that good. But after the art school training, my drawing was quite good. <laughs> so I decided to continue drawing comics. What is the situation in Singapore with regarding graphic art and I guess cartooning in Malaysia? It's still very, very small. The circle's very, very small. The number of books wow. that get published every year is very, very small. <laughs> you say Malaysia is small. Singapore <laughs> is even smaller. <laughs> how, how, how is it? I mean, is there, is there... I mean, I know there's a lot of funding, but is there any funding for the graphic arts? There is some sort of funding, but if there's... Uh, if you want to get the funding from the government, you have to follow, like, some guidelines, lah. yeah, and they are very strict in the, uh, you know, they own. You have to submit like the almost complete the manuscript or something like that. Right. Well, from what I remember, and the funding is not hundred percent. Um, and you they, basically they will take two months to review. I think if I remember correctly, it's about two months to review your work before because they will put their logo on your book. That's right. So, yeah, so they want to make sure that everything is, you know, politically correct. <laughs> yes, yes, we, we saw what happened to Sunny last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, for us, most of us, we um, want to have more creative freedom and we don't like to do a lot of paperwork. 
Yeah, because if you apply for funding, you need to, you know, do a lot of paperwork and you need to wait for two months before, you know, <laughs> get approved. So a lot of us do self-publishing instead. And how is that? And what is that like? I mean, when was the when did you make that decision to first self-publish? Because that was the way forward. Okay, first of all, the publishers, no publishers were interested to publish my work. <laughs> Yeah, so the the only choice was to self publish because uh, the that time at that time the Malaysian publisher wanted me to change all the text to instead of Singapore versus Japan is Malaysia versus Japan. So I thought that was quite weird because I'm not Malaysian. Right. Uh yeah, but his his argument was that it's for the Malaysian market. So I felt it was not so authentic, but so I said okay, uh, maybe I will consider we con- will consider it lah. And uh, and also they wanted all the rights, all global rights. So I was quite uncomfortable with that lah. Right. So the Singapore publisher I submitted, but um, wasn't accepted lah. So that goes my only hope. <laughs> so I uh, looked for sponsors because I didn't have money to publish, self-publish because it's like quite a lot of money to to do the print. So I tried to look for companies, but all of them, you know, not that interested. Yeah, so I went to, uh, and then I have a fan in my uh, from my Facebook. He knew I was trying to get funding to publish my book, so he recommended me to his investor. Sort of trust his instinct, uh, and besides that, I have a fan base. So he uh, actually lent me money to self-publish my first book. Mm, that's, so that's how it got started. Uh. <laughs> I'm, and I'm assuming this was the first time you did anything like this. Yeah, yeah, it's my first time I have my first book, but it doesn't feel like I, I published it because it felt like I paid someone to print it. <laughs> it's the same. That's what publishing is, Eva. You just pay other people to print your stuff. No, but, you know, it's, it's a bit different, you know. Like, when you get published, it's like a publisher really loves your work. They pay for everything, and then you get some royalty in return. But this one is like, <laughs> no, no publishers like it, so I have to print it myself. On the bright side, you get to keep all of the money yourself, right? No, but wait, wait, hold on. But, of course, publishers did like it. I mean, uh, MPH liked it. Yeah, yeah, because after that, um, I, it sold quite well. I mean, I tried a lot. I mean, I did a lot of marketing. And well, you, you have to do everything yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sold quite well eventually, and uh, there wasn't enough stock to go to Malaysia. So MPH was like always like poking me, like, Where, when are you going to you know, restock? When are you going to restock? Then I'm like, oh, okay, but my stock is stuck in Singapore, and I have no money to reprint. So yeah, that's how I negotiated. Like, okay, I have no money to reprint, so can you <laughs> direct me to the publishing arm and see if they're interested? So yeah, after they reviewed my book, because it was already selling quite uh, like out of stock, uh, so they took over. Yeah, so that's how uh, I started, first started working with Epic H for publishing. Uh. And of course, your second book is published by them as well, Eva Go Solo. Yes, yeah. Their second book is about me adapting to my life in Japan. So it's um, it's not really like what I thought it would be like. It's anime and manga, like very... Fabulous. I mean, it was fabulous for the first three months, but after that, there was this culture shock that sinks in. So it talks about me getting a bank account, looking for apartments, and also like, uh, oh yeah, it was a three one one earthquake. 
Oh, yeah. you were there for that? Yeah, yeah, the the largest, the biggest earthquake in Japanese history. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't experience such a big, I mean, I experienced tiny earthquake when I was in San Francisco because in San Francisco, they, they said that, oh, there will be a big one, there will be a big one. So I was, I, I stocked up bottled waters and, you know, <laughs> food, uh, waiting for the big one, but it never came. So <laughs> Don't sound so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do sound disappointed. <laughs> when, I was, when I was in Tokyo, I thought they said that the big one would be coming, but I didn't think that I would be so lucky, you know, like in San Francisco, nothing happened, what? So I think Tokyo, nothing will happen. So, but it did, it came and I was like, oh shit. And it was inspiration for a book. Yeah, 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 it was indeed, indeed. I thought I was dying, man. <laughs> I'm saving the money questions until the end, as you can tell. But oh, okay, you know, but you know, like you said, you know, it's it's tough being a cartoonist and mm. even self-publishing, or even when you get published. I mean, but you still have to be your own marketeer, and you yeah. have to do all these other things to make money and keep yourself in the public eye. So, yes, how was that the first time you started doing it? I mean, was that a chore for you, or was that something that came naturally? No, it was a new thing I learned, you know, like suddenly you have like 1,000 or 1,500 to 2,000 books in your office and you look at it it's like, oh my God. And that's that's your money, man. That's your money stuck there in the books. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to like clear them, otherwise you have no money <laughs> uh, that to return. I, I learned how to do my own like posters uh, to ever like market out the events. I have to like connect with my fans more, like really like you know make that connection, like reply to them and you know uh, engage them. And I have to go. I have to go around with a lot of books uh, because I was uh, trying to arrange for talks to give talks, and then after the talk, I sell the books. And I have to prepare PowerPoint slides to actually that PowerPoint. Sites was okay because I used to be a lecturer. <laughs> so that was natural. <laughs> yeah, so like giving talks was like, okay, yeah, it's okay. But um, yeah, the, I had to like carry a lot of things all over the place. And I had to look for like vendors, retailers, uh, things like that. So that was kind of new and yeah, kind of like a worker, you know, like, you know, books are very heavy. And then I had this toy called Matcha, the cat cushion. I made this cat cushion. Oh, yeah, you started merchandising. Yeah, I started merchandising because it was my dream to have a cat cushion because I thought that was really cool. So I made the first hundred from China and it was sold out. And a lot of people asked me like where they can get it. So I, uh, but because at that time it was expensive, the minimum order quantity has to be 500 pieces. So I didn't have the money and don't have the storage to do that. So I just, Hold, held on the idea for until a year later I, I found a sponsor um, she really wanted the cat cushion so she got her mom to sponsor the reproduction and she got her friend's uh, warehouse to store the cats so I reproduced them and then suddenly I have 500 cats to clear I mean when I have booths I would have to drag the cats and the books along so that was both heavy and bulky <laughs> And then after that, I had to try to clear not just the books, but also the cats. <laughs> that, no, but you know what? You know what's interesting? If you're listening to your story and how you did this, it's, it's really nice to know that 
your fans and the people around you were really supportive. I mean, not just yeah. by clicking like or sharing, but even saying, hey, have some money. Do what you do because we really like yeah, your work. Yeah, I, I think I'm lucky because I, I mean, not, I mean, I don't have 97,000 likes on Facebook. Of course, um, actually, not many of them are bought my books, uh, but when they do, they are really supportive. That's, is that rare? I'm not sure if uh, anybody else mentioned before, but Facebook likes and book sales are not that equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> like when you know, like I have my friends who have uh, only like ten to twenty thousand likes, but they sold much more books than me. So three times more books than me. So it's really not that equivalent. The likes is just a casual like. That was Eva Neo. You can find both Eva Kopi and Matcha, as well as her latest effort, Eva Goes Solo, at all good bookstores. You've been listening to Authored. This is Bookmark, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.